Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Hey Collective, it's so good to be back with you all as we close out our summer series called Summer Mixtape. And for those of you who've been wondering where I've been, every summer I take a few weeks off of preaching so that I can focus on catching my breath and getting some rest. I'll write some sermon series for the end of the year. I'll even write some for the following year. And I also spend some time visiting other churches. And this year that was done digitally, of course. But what I do is I spend some time and I talk to pastors who lead churches that are bigger and a little bit older than collective. And I do that so I can take some intentional time to learn and grow. And when COVID first started, I actually canceled my study break But after the urging of some of the staff and our leaders at Collective, I contacted a few of my friends to come in and speak at Collective, and they did such a wonderful job. There are two things I want to say in regard to my break. The first one is thank you so much for being the type of church who respects and honors our guest speakers. It is very intimidating to teach at Collective. And that's not just because public speaking is terrifying and being on camera somehow makes it worse. But the guys who recorded for us were super nervous out of reverence for this church because they love Collective. And from the team that runs Collective Online to you all watching at home, you all did a great job of engaging and learning. Second, thank you for being the type of church where I can take a few weeks off from preaching. And even though I know you miss me, You don't demand that I'm up here every single week at the cost of myself, my family, or this church. So thank you. Now, if you didn't notice I was gone the last few weeks, we're just not friends anymore, okay? In April, ESPN put out a 10-episode miniseries about Michael Jordan and the 1990 Bulls called The Last Dance, and it was legit. And while I'm a big LeBron fan after living in Cleveland for a few years, Jordan is better, You can argue with me all you want, but Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. He hit the game-winning shot in the NCAA championship as a freshman. He won two Olympic gold medals. He won six championships in seven seasons. And the one season he didn't win a championship, he only played 17 games because he joined the team late in the season. And he won the intergalactic championship against space aliens who are trying to imprison the Looney Tunes on Moron Mountain. Jordan is the goat. If you haven't seen the documentary, you need to watch it, even if you don't love sports, because it's that good. Now, as a kid who grew up in the 90s and is obsessed with sports, most of the documentary was a refresher for me. I remember the championships. I remember the gambling issues. I remember when they found out that his father had been killed. I even remember all the drama between Michael Jordan and the general manager, Jerry Krause. But there was one thing about Michael Jordan that the documentary shed light on that I didn't really know about, his grit. Angela Duckworth did a TED Talk on grit and explained it like this. Grit is passion and perseverance. It's having stamina. 
not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years. Grit is living life like it's a marathon and not a sprint. And grit has nothing to do with your IQ, your wealth, your family dynamic, your talent. Grit is all about the individual and their ability to keep pushing forward even when faced with adversity. And that was Jordan. Throughout this documentary, you see time and time again where Jordan hits an obstacle, but he refuses to throw in the towel and give up. He pushes through. As a sophomore, he was cut from the varsity basketball team, so he pushed himself to get better. And within two years, he was a McDonald's All-American and got scholarships to multiple basketball powerhouses. Going into the draft, he wasn't considered the best player. In fact, a lot of people thought he was too short to be one of the best players in the NBA because they favored big men, centers, the guys that, that really would get the rebounds and score the points down low. And all he did as a rookie was become an all-star and win the Rookie of the Year award. When the Bulls finally started to get good after years of losing, they were knocked out of the playoffs three years in a row by the Detroit Pistons. So he bulked up, got stronger, focused on being a better team player. And that's when the Bulls turned into the greatest basketball team of all time, winning back-to-back-to-back championships twice. Jordan didn't quit. He persevered. He had grit. And this is one of the reasons why people loved him and why this documentary was so enthralling. In fact, this characteristic The ability to persevere is something that we love about people, right? We love a good story about someone who against all odds refuses to quit, right? We make movies about these people. People like Walt Disney, who before he was Walt Disney that we know and love, he was fired from the Kansas City Star and told he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Or someone like Oprah Winfrey, who was fired from WJZ in Baltimore and told that she was unfit for TV, Or Albert Einstein, who was expelled from high school for being rebellious and actually rejected to college on his first attempt to get in. Or the Beatles, who were turned down by almost every record label and told they had no future in in show business. Right? We love these types of stories. But for some reason, we envy this trait in other people, but don't think we're able to do the same thing. Right? We think we aren't strong enough. We aren't smart enough. We aren't faithful enough. And when we face adversity, we often find ourselves closer to giving up and walking away than we should be. And some of you feel that way right now. You're ready to give up. You've hit a wall. You're struggling. Life isn't going the way you hoped it would. And you aren't sure how much longer you can keep fighting in your marriage at your job, in your relationships, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your faith. So I wanna close out this series today by talking to those of you who are discouraged, those of you who are ready to throw in the towel, those of you who are ready to give up, which if we're being honest, is every single one of us in one aspect of our life or another right now. But I wanna talk to you today And I believe that if you're open to hear what God says to you today, you will approach the next season of your life with more grit. I believe you will enter tomorrow knowing that the future will be better than the past. I will believe you will feel better about your current situation. You'll feel more confidence knowing that God has faith in you and you will have more faith in him. 
To do that, I'm gonna teach through a story in the Bible that takes place in Joshua 6. And it happened 1400 BC, which is approximately 3,400 years ago. And even though it was a long time ago, we can still learn something from this story today. This is how the story begins, Joshua 6, verse one. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. So the Israelites are in the promised land after years of wandering in the wilderness. And God tells Joshua, who's leading them, to go to the city of Jericho because it belongs to them. And you can imagine that when Joshua hears this, he's a little bit confused. I mean, we just read that the gates were tightly shut. And for context, here's what that actually means. Jericho was fortified by a double ring of walls. The outer wall was six feet thick and the inner wall was 12 feet thick. And God says, that's your city, go get it. But then God explains how they're actually to take the city. And it's unconventional to say the least. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Now the ark is referring to the ark of the covenant, which is a gold covered wooden chest that represented the presence of God. Think of it as an altar they took with them to always be reminded that God was with them. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. So God tells Joshua, take your men and march around Jericho seven times and then the walls will fall down. Simple enough. You don't have to attack. You don't have to fight. You don't have to try to tunnel under it. God says, just walk around the city and I will do the rest. So that's what they do. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. So they do what God asks. They walk around the walls, which would take about an hour, and then they head home. And then they do it the next day. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched in both, in, both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. One hour walking, staring at the walls, to see if anything happens, waiting for God to do his thing. But nothing happens, so they head home again and get ready to do it again. They followed this pattern for six days. Here's the first thing I wanna point out in this story. And I would encourage you to write this down, take a screenshot something. Progress isn't always immediate. Right After six days of marching, six days of walking around the wall, six days of carrying the ark, six days of doing everything God asked them to do, nothing happened. A single brick didn't fall. A wall didn't partially collapse. 
God didn't even tell them that they were getting close. Nothing. Because progress isn't always immediate. And listen, if I'm being honest, I would get to lap six and see that nothing was happening and I'd be pissed, right? If you want me to march around this wall, I need to see something while I'm walking. But it doesn't always work like that. And isn't this the way it feels in life sometimes? Right? You're marching and you're marching and you're marching, but nothing is happening. Isn't this the way that it feels when you're raising kids? You're listening to podcasts about parenting. You're asking friends who are ahead of you in life to offer wisdom. You're doing everything you can to be a good parent. But then the attitude comes, the defiance, the temper tantrums, and you begin to wonder if anything is working. Or you start to go see a counselor to work through insecurities, addictions, brokenness from your past. And you're doing the exercises your counselor gives you. You're reading the books. You're doing everything you can to grow. But then you have a bad week and you fall right back into your old habits. You take a step back and wonder if it's all worth the efforts that you're giving. Isn't this the way it feels when you're trying to get your finances in order? Right? But then comes the doctor bill. Here comes the flat tire. Here comes another setback. Your hours change. COVID shuts down your job, then opens it back up, then shuts it back down again. And you begin to think that you will never get out of this financial pit. So why keep trying? Isn't this the way it feels with your faith sometimes? Right? You're praying and nothing seems to be happening. You're praying for your marriage, but things aren't getting better. You're praying for a new career opportunity, but every door seems to shut in your face. You're praying for a family member who's struggling with their health, but things aren't getting better. You're reading your Bible, and it doesn't seem to be making any sense. And I could keep going, because there are times in our life when we are doing our best, when we are trusting God and following his direction, when we are trying our hardest, and nothing happens. Nothing changes, not a single wobble in the wall. And if I had been God designing this miracle, this, isn't, this wouldn't be how I would have done it. Right? I would have shown progress, but I'm not God, which is a very good thing. And God doesn't do that. God tells Joshua, I have a plan. I have a purpose. Walk around the wall six times once a day. And on the seventh day, walk around the wall seven times and I'll do something that only I can do. So for six days, nothing happened. But then came the seventh day. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout for the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean it's not working. When no bricks fall, when you aren't sure if you can keep going, when it feels like the same old thing over and over and over again, you have to learn how to take another lap when nothing happens. Right? You have to have grit. And ultimately, the second takeaway from this story is this. Don't quit. Don't quit. And listen, I understand that everything in life would be easier if we knew how many laps it would take. But life isn't NASCAR. 
right? There isn't a counter at the bottom to tell you how many laps you have left. There isn't someone waving a white flag when you're getting close to the finish line, but don't quit because just around the next turn, just around the next sacrifice, just at the end of this season, the walls might start to fall down, right? The reason you can't stop is because you might be on lap six and not even know it, right? You might be so close to seeing victory. It wouldn't it be a shame to walk away when you've come this far, right? Wouldn't it be horrible to give up right now when you're that close? You can't stop on six, You can't give up because it doesn't feel good. You can't let people talk you out of it. You can't let your emotions stop you from walking forward. If you are walking in circles and you want to quit and you're walking and you're trying and you're praying and you're wondering how much longer am I gonna have to keep walking for these walls to fall down? How much more effort am I gonna have to put into my marriage? How many more nights do I have to be single? How many more months am I gonna be stuck in this season? How much longer? Don't give up. Keep walking this might be your seventh lap. Don't quit. I'm talking to the mom who cried herself to sleep this week because working from home while raising a toddler is becoming overwhelming. Don't quit. I'm talking to the person who has turned in resume after resume and hasn't even gotten a call back. Don't quit. I'm talking to the person who wakes up early every single day to work out, who has changed their diet, who's doing everything they can to get into shape, but they don't see the changes that they want. Don't quit. I'm talking to the person who's had a good rhythm of reading the Bible and praying to God, but it doesn't feel like God's talking to you. Don't quit. I'm talking to the single person who's tried every single dating site, who's gone on blind dates, who's been on dates set up by their friends, but can't seem to find a guy who isn't a scrub. Don't quit. I'm talking to the spouse whose marriage is falling apart and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Don't quit. I'm talking to the person who's gaining ground on their addiction, but time and isolation has allowed those thoughts to creep back in that you can't live without those substances. Don't quit. I'm talking to the person who's in counseling and their parents don't understand why they need to talk to someone about their problems and offer more criticism than support. Don't quit. I'm talking to the teacher whose world was turned upside down last week and the Facebook comments make you wonder if anyone values what you do, don't quit. And I'm talking to the people who are struggling through this pandemic and it feels like the hits keep coming financially with your family, with life in general. Don't quit. Don't quit. I know that life is not easy right now or really ever for that matter, but we want you to know you are not alone that there's a community of people called Collective that's here for you, that will walk around those walls with you. But more importantly, there is a God who loves you, who's walking with you. Even when you don't see the progress, even when you aren't sure it's working, even when you feel discouraged, you are not alone. Galatians 6 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Isaiah 41 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Joshua 1, just a little bit earlier than this story. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. John 16 I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Progress isn't always immediate. So don't give up. Don't quit. Here's the last thing I want you to write down today. 
And re- really, this is the mo- just most important thing of all of this. Jesus didn't quit on you, right? The reason you can keep going is because that is what Jesus did for you. He was betrayed by one of his 12 and he didn't quit. His inner circle ran away in fear when he was arrested and he didn't quit. He was put on trial in front of the high priest and he didn't quit. They spit on him, blindfolded him, beat him and humiliated him. He didn't quit. He overheard his closest friend say, I don't even know who he is. And he didn't quit. They whipped him. He didn't quit. They put a cross on his back. He didn't quit. They drove nails into his wrist and feet. He didn't quit. The crowds mocked him. He didn't quit. He died. He didn't quit. He rose from the dead. And he proved forever that he is the son of God that he is the savior of the world, that he is the one who will give us endless second chances and give us life better than anyone that we could create on our own. He didn't quit on you and he won't ever quit on you. He loves you and he gave everything, including his own life so that you could have a relationship with God and experience the grace and hope that he has to offer so that you can know that while life is hard, God is always with you and he will never leave you and you can keep going. So if you're watching this morning and you are on lap six and ready to give up, I want you to know today that there is a gift of grace available and it's free because Jesus didn't stop going to the cross and rising from the grave. And he did it for you because he loves you. If you want to have a conversation about coming free, if you want to have a conversation about hope and purpose, if you want to have a conversation about living life to the fullest and what it looks like to be in this life and in these troubles and have God standing right by you, head to mycollective.church baptism. Because what we'd love to do is have a conversation with you about giving your life to Jesus, about putting your faith in him, about choosing to let Jesus be side by side with you as you go through the trials of this world. You can head to that website or you can check off the baptism box on the online connection card because we would love to call you and talk to you about your next step this week. Now, if you've already accepted that free gift of grace, be reminded that you are free because Jesus didn't quit and you can keep going and you can draw strength from a God who loves you and will never leave you. That means if you're on the fourth or fifth or sixth lap, don't quit. Or if you don't even know what lap you're on, but you're starting to feel tired, don't quit. Don't quit. Because God's power lives inside you and he is going to give you the strength to keep going. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, um, God, that when we feel tired, when we feel like We've been marching for days and days and days when, when we don't see the progress that we want to see uh, in our parenting, in our finances, in our marriage, even in our faith, God, um, that we can have the energy and the strength to keep going because you didn't give up on us. And God, I pray this week as we just continue to feel like we're running into this wall or um, just in this endless season of, of unknown, God, where we don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, God, I, I pray that we don't give up. God, that we recognize that progress isn't always immediate, that we might not see something right now, but we might be so close to seeing victory in our marriage, to seeing breakthrough in our relationships, to seeing fruitfulness in our faith, God. So God, I pray that we feel that this week. 
that we see that this week. But God, ultimately, when we hit those tough times, when we hit those trials, when we hit those moments in our life when we're not sure what's going on and we wanna throw in the towel, God, I pray that you give us the strength to get back up and keep moving forward. And God, ultimately, we don't quit. And God, the reason why we do that is because you didn't quit on us and you never will. God, we thank you for that love. We thank you for that grace. We thank you that you gave up your own life for us so that we could have the strength and courage and community to keep moving forward. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.